Each one of those verbs, ask, seek, and knock, they're all in a present tense. It means keep on, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop, don't quit. I know you'll get discouraged, but keep at it. And you honestly will get it. Well, today we're going to finish off a little sermon series two Sundays ago. We started a little mini sermon series entitled Praying with the Giants. And what we are referring to are men and women who really know how to pray so as to get answers to their prayers. They seem to breathe heaven's air. They seem to fellowship with God on a regular basis. And so their prayers are effectual. They're fervent. They're powerful. And they get answered. And these people we affectionately refer to as the prayer giants or prayer warriors but we want to know what are the basic things, the basics of great praying, so that we too might become great prayer warriors. Now, the first sermon, two Sundays ago, it was all about praying big, praying for something big. And that's only important. I mean, how big is God? You think about it. How big is God? He brought everything into creation with just his spoken word. He said, let there be, and there was. He is all-powerful. He is absolutely supreme. In comparison, all of the powers of earth with all of their money and all of their atomic power and all of the, the wealth and military influence and everything, if the whole world of 8 billion people and everything at their disposal came together, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's as the smallest dust on the furniture compared to God. God is so powerful. And so our first message was all about praying big. You see, to us, we really don't understand what is big. God knows what is big. But to us, we think something is big. Oh, that's too big. I mean, we don't want to be too hard on God. You're not going to be too hard on God. You won't break the bank of heaven, don't worry, by praying big. Now, Praying big, I think, needs to be on your prayer list. There should be something on your daily prayer list that only, only God can do. If there's things on your prayer list that basically people could do, if enough people got together, we could make it happen. Well, that's not going to give God a lot of glory. We serve a big God. And I'll tell you something, we honor God when we pray big. Now, I'm not talking about praying stupid. I'm not talking about praying something crazy. Okay, Lord, uh, flatten the earth. Make it into a leg of pancake. You know? I'm not talking about something silly like that. I'm talking about good things, big things that will honor God. I'm, I'm suggesting to you that you make the 104 building your miracle on that prayer list. Because I'll tell you right now, unless God does it, it's not going to happen. Unless God moves and gives us that building, we will not have that building. I believe that that building will enable us to bring forth more fruit than we ever thought possible. It is God's will that we bring forth much fruit. That's God's will in John, Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 8, that we bring forth much fruit. Jesus said, you know, you'll be my disciples if you do. Every believer, every born-again man, woman, young person ought to be concerned with bringing forth as much fruit as possible in his or her life. And as a church, we are a combined power of God's people. We can bring forth more fruit than one person, per se, in comparison. And so, pray big. Say those two words with me, please. Pray big. That's very important. 
Now, the second sermon was all about pray believing. Pray believing. So when we find what we ought to be praying for, then we need to start our believing faith. We need to begin believing faith. And the faith needs to be in the promises of God. And God makes us wonderful promises in the Bible. Some people will make you promises and they're just as, you know, just as good as the air they're written on or something. They're no good is what I'm saying. But not God. When God makes a promise, he knows what he's saying. But pastor, that was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't matter with God. He knows the end from the beginning and he still makes the same promise for whosoever will. I'll tell you something. In, in the book of Psalms, chapter 12, it tells us these words. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. God's word is true. When God makes a promise, he knows what he's talking about. And so what you need to do is find in the Bible a promise that relates to the thing you're praying for. You say, how would I ever do that? Well, I'll give you a little clue. There are a lot of promises in the Bible. There are thousands of promises that God makes in the Bible. One man who's long since gone to heaven, his name is Dr. Herbert Lockyer, he wrote a few books, and one of the books he wrote was All the Promises in the Bible, and he claims that there's over 8,000 promises that God makes in the Bible. So I'm sure it won't take you very long before you stumble across a few promises of God. And if you pray and say, Lord, I need a promise that will fit with this thing I'm praying for, the Lord will show you as you are reading through your Bible. So very important, very important. Um, pray believing. Say those words out loud with me, please. Pray believing. And so the first two words, pray big. The second two words, pray believing. Now, as a general rule, Jesus told us something in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. That's a powerful promise of God. You can attach Mark eleven twenty four to your prayer requests. Still go and get other Bible verses, but Mark eleven twenty four is just about a universal one. You can legitimately attach that to everything that God would have you pray for. Now, something that I have personally found that really helps me to pray believing is if I can visualize things. And so um, I like to visualize God's promises as if it were a blank check and God signs the bottom. I put my name in there, I fill in the amount, but God's given me a check that he has signed and I take it to the bank of heaven in prayer. Now, I've asked the ushers if they would come and help me. And uh, gentlemen, would you come, please? Do you have those, uh, those checks? They're over here, are they? Okay, good. I want to give every one of you a check, a blank check. Can I do that? Can I give everyone here a blank check? You don't mind? All right. So, uh, uh, ushers, maybe if you would just give a, a few to the first person at the head of each uh, aisle and then pass them down. And don't worry if we miss someone, there'll be enough. We'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll get you, don't worry. But just to speed things up, give, a, give you know, four, five, or six to the first person. Now, if you uh, end up with more than one, uh, raise your hand because someone may not have one. So when you pass them all down to the end, okay? 
So after you pass them, then you can look at them. But everyone gets one. If you don't want one, that's fine. Just, you know, pass them along. Not a problem at all if you don't want one. But uh, if you want one, then uh, grab one. Now, if you've got some extras, just hold them up and our usher will pick those up. Ushers, if you would look around for any hands raised with uh, checks. So did we miss anyone? Did anyone on my right not get a check? Anybody? How about the center section? Anybody not get one? Off to my left. Anybody not get over here? Okay, good. All right. How about the sound booth? You can give them one if there's any left. Give those fellas a check. Everyone gets a blank check. Now, it's just very simple. I'm not the one who came up with that design. Someone else came up with the design. I'm just passing along the blessings, okay? Did we run out of checks? Okay, but we're okay. If, uh, okay, would you print up a few more checks? I think we need a few more. It's like printing money. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's just printing checks from heaven. So don't worry, we'll, uh, we'll get you looked after if you did not get one. We printed up 100, we thought that would be enough, but it looks like God is blessing. That's a good problem to have when you have, you have more. Well, anyhow, the idea is God has signed the check. You put your name in the top there, pay to the order of, and then you fill in the amount. Now, please, don't put in there something dumb. Don't write your name and say, you know, I want to win this Friday's lotto. Don't do things like that because God is not going to answer. And then you're going to say, well, prayer doesn't work. No, you just didn't do it right. But you put in there something good, something that will honor God, and it could be something big. Now, I'll tell you something. I have a whole bunch of those checks in my prayer closet. And when I get down to pray, I go through those checks and I thank the Lord that he is in the process of paying that check. Some of them he's already paid. And I got them up on the wall. I got them pinned on the wall. Paid in full. It's exciting when God answers a prayer, isn't it? And so that, that little piece of paper might be a help for you. If you're interested in, in a few more, if you'd like a few more, maybe after the service we can fix you up with that. Well, today, folks, we're going to conclude our mini-series with the third installment on praying with the giants. And we call it Pray B-times, B-E-T-I-M-E-S, B-times, pray B-times. Would you say those two words with me? Pray B-times. Now, maybe you're wondering, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked, because we're going to find out in just a moment. But first, we're going to pray. So let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful prayer promises and the fact that you really, really do want to answer prayer Father, forgive us the many times we mess up. We don't ask properly. We don't know what we're doing. Teach us, Lord, how to get a hold of these basics of praying big and praying believing and praying be time so that from there we can really start to become prayer warriors, maybe prayer giants. Our Heavenly Father, bless us today with the knowledge on how to pray better. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, let's begin right away. And uh, what does it mean to pray B-times? What does that word mean? Is that even a word, B-times? It's not a word we use much anyhow in modern English, B-times, B-times, but you'll find it in the Bible. That word is a good word. It was used generations before us 
but it's a good word. And what it means, it means the importance of time. There's a time that's very, very important. And we've all experienced this. B times has that idea of being very thorough with that chunk of time. So the idea here is that it refers to something very important, something very urgent, something that uh, requires you to stay on top of. You can't just touch it and walk away and forget it. You have to keep your hand on it. Sometimes raising children is that way, isn't it? You just can't take your eyes off them for a minute. Sometimes you've got to be right there on them and help them every moment throughout the day. Because if you turn your back, you know they're going to climb the wall or get into something they shouldn't. Sometimes it's like that. We have a nice uh, daycare out here. We rent the space to the daycare during the week. And I watch those daycare workers. Sometimes they have a couple of children that they have to just be right on top of. That's B times. B times. This is something you have to stay on top of. Maybe you even have to stay up late or get up early or something. But your prayer request, if you really want it answered, you need to pray, learn to pray, be times. Truly, if we're going to pray big, and if we're going to pray believing, then we must be about our Father's business. Listen to this, before it's too late. There are some things that are date stamped or time stamped and they have an expiry date almost. If we don't get busy praying about them, the window of opportunity will close and it'll be too late. One day Jesus is going to come in the clouds and take us home to heaven. That's his promise. It's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it may happen today, tomorrow, next month, next year. We don't know. But that's his promise that it will happen. He will come and all over the world, millions upon millions and millions of born again men, women and young people are going to vanish. He is going to take us home. This is the Christian hope. It's called the rapture, the catching away. It's spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it is a promise of Almighty God. It will happen. Well, when that day happens, all your opportunity to pray for things here on earth is gone. Your window of opportunity is gone. So if we are going to be about our Father's business, we need to be about it now while we still can, while there's still opportunity to do things for the Lord and serve Him, and especially this ministry of prayer. Now, we have a Bible story in front of us. Open to Luke chapter 11, if you haven't already. Luke chapter 11. And in our Bible story in Luke chapter 11... We are taught the principles of praying B-times. Now basically, what we're talking about is not letting up on God. Not, I'm not talking about giving up. I'm talking about letting up. I'm saying we must. We must go to God humbly, lovingly, and with worship. But God wants us to keep on Him. To not quit praying. To keep on him and keep on him and keep on him and keep coming and coming and coming. Not once a month, not once a week, not once a day, but throughout the day. He wants us to come to him. He wants to hear us. This is illustrated here in our story. We're told not to quit. If the man in our story had quit, he would not have gotten what it was he was needing. Now look at chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. And here we see he has a legitimate need. He says, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight 
and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, life was a little different back then, 2,000 years ago. But when a friend came, you showed him hospitality. You did not turn a friend away. One of the worst things you could ever do. And so you took him in and you fed him and gave him a place to sleep and whatever he needed. That's what you would do. So here, the guy has a friend come. <gasps> they got nothing. They've eaten up all their food for that day. They're going to bed and they get up the next day and work and to buy more food. They had nothing. And a friend comes. And so he goes to his friend. He knows that his friend has got a little more. And he goes to his friend and he starts knocking on the door here. And so verse 7, we have the resistance. It says, he, he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot. See that? Underline that word in your Bible. I cannot rise and give thee. He was very adamant, wasn't he? He was very determined. Friend, he says, listen, I like you as a neighbor. You're a great guy, but it's too late. It's bedtime. The house is closed down. The kids are with me. Everyone's asleep. I cannot, I am not able to help you with what you want. I'm sorry, but I cannot do it. And here we have the resistance to the man's need. We have the man's need. He knows his neighbor can help him. He goes to his neighbor. He gets nothing but resistance. What does he do? Here's what he does. Verse 8. This is the key. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. Importunity means persistence. It means you don't quit. You don't give up. It doesn't mean that you go and get a sledgehammer and knock down the guy's door. It doesn't mean that. Don't be crazy. But it means you're persistent. You don't quit. You don't give up. And that's exactly what this guy did. He says, I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, if there was some other way, if there was some other place, I would go, but I, there's nothing, nothing, nothing. You are it. I can't go away. Listen, I love you as a neighbor, but I'm not leaving your door until you help me. This is really, really important. Now, the guy in bed also would have known the custom of turning away someone. He would have known all of that. But it was just the resistance he put up. And so what Jesus is teaching us here is be persistent in prayer. That's the whole idea of praying be times, is that you keep praying and you don't quit, and you keep at it, and you keep on God, and you keep at Him, and keep knocking on His door, and you keep doing it until He gives you what it is you're asking for. Now, again, I hasten to say, if you're asking for something worldly, He's not going to give it. If you ask for something greedy, He's not going to give it. If you ask for something wicked or sinful, He's not going to give it. You must ask for something that's good and healthy and proper. You're going to bring God the glory, a legitimate need. And he will give it. And he will give it because of your persistence. Because you're not leaving him alone. That's the idea here. The key is in verse 8. The man got what he asked for. Now this actually is very similar principle to what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask and ye, it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Each one of those verbs, ask, seek, and knock, they're all in a present tense. It means keep on, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't stop, don't quit. I know you'll get discouraged, but keep at it, and you honestly will get it. Now that 
is like a lightning bolt for some of us. Because some of us say, well, I tried praying. I prayed a day. I prayed a week. Nothing happened. So I give up. I'll tell you right now, the devil's trying to get you to quit. One of the devil's full-time jobs is to get you and I to quit praying. You see, the devil knows that the great power doesn't lie in us. The great power lies in God. And that if we pray properly and we pray persistently, God is going to give us that great power for his honor and glory. The devil doesn't want that. And so he hits the weak link. He can't go after God. God's too strong. He goes after us because we're so weak. He tries to break the weak link in the chain. Does that make sense? And that's us, folks. So he's going to try to get us to quit praying. Say, how does the devil try to get us? How does he get us to quit praying? Well, here's four ways that I came up with. Maybe you can think of another one. Number one is he gets us to think our prayer will never be answered. I wonder how many millions of prayers fell by the wayside because the Christian started right. They started with something good. But after a period of time, they got discouraged and they started thinking, you know, it's just not going to work. God doesn't want to answer my prayer. God seems to answer other people's prayers. I read books about how he answered prayer, but my prayer, I couldn't tell you the last time I had a prayer answered, and so I quit. That's probably the devil's number one tool to get us to stop praying, is because we think it's not going to do any good. Number two, he gets us to commit sin. And when we get involved with sin, then that breaks our fellowship with God. It brings guilt upon our heart and it automatically stops the prayer. If the devil can get you discouraged, he'll do it. If the devil can get you to commit sin, he'll do it. But you know something? There's an antidote. There's an answer to this problem. When you get discouraged, you just go get encouraged. When you commit sin, you confess that sin. You put it behind you and confess that. Well, time out, pastor, what if it's a sin that I have a problem with and I seem to repeat this sin over and over? Well, then every time you do it, you ask God to forgive you. And by the way, if you read Bible, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. So a good answer, if you're really serious about overcoming any sin, just start memorizing more Bible. You say, uh, what verse should I start with? Take your pick. It's all God's word. But the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll lead you along and make a verse jump off. Ooh, look at that. Write it on a three by five card. Start to go over it and over it. You'll learn it by memory. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And what you're doing is you're building a defense against sin and against Satan. But that's only two of the ways that the devil gets us to quit praying. You see, the bottom line is the same. Quit the prayer. Quit the prayer. Number three is he gets us to forget to pray. Jim Lush, he had a photographic memory. He would sit in class and then he would never study, never read the textbooks, never go over things. He'd come in and he'd write his exam and always get 100%. I felt sick. I felt envious. That's just the way he was. And he described it as seeing it visually in front of him. He was a visual kind of person. With the photographic memory, it was like looking at a picture. Everything, everything that he's ever lived through, 
He could visualize it. He could see it. That's why he never had to study. He didn't have to. It was all right there in front of him. It's like he would read the textbook and it would be there. He didn't have to review. He'd, he'd listen to what the teacher was. It was there. He could visualize the teacher telling all about point A, point B, sub point, sub sub point. It was all there. Then one day Jim disappeared. Where's Jim? Don't know. Months went by. We heard that he'd fallen into drugs. And then one day, Jim shows up again. And he, he told us that uh, one of the problems with a photographic memory is you cannot forget. And every sin you've ever committed, every hard thing you've ever done, bitter words, every creepy thing, you can't forget it. It's, it's still there. It's hanging like pictures on the walls of your mind. You can't forget it. And so that's why I went and I did drugs to try and forget. For what we think would be a blessing, he thought it was a curse. Imagine that. Some people that have a lot, a lot, a lot of money, we think, oh, what a blessing. And yet, they would tell you differently. No, it's not a blessing, it's a curse. Because now I have to run for my life. People are after me all the time. They're wanting to beg, borrow, steal money. They want to kidnap my kids for money. I can't live a normal life. I can't. I can't go out to the mall and go shopping. I've got to have 17 armed guards around me at all times. Sometimes what we think is a blessing may not be a blessing. That's what I'm saying. But you know, one, one way the devil gets us to quit praying, forget. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to pray. I forgot to pray. I forgot to pray. Sad, isn't it? Is there no, is there no remedy? Yes, there is. Write it down. Make a note. You know, one thing that I like to do is I like to carry something. I got this little coin I carry. My son made it. And it's got a Bible verse on it. It's got two wolves at each other's throat. And on the other side, which one will dominate us? It depends on which one we feed. But it's a prayer reminder. I touch that and I remember to pray. I keep it in my pocket. So you have to do things to help you to remember. If I asked you, do you, do you remember your, your home address? Do you remember where you live? You'd say, oh, pastor, of course I do. You had to learn that. There was a time you didn't know that and you had to learn that. Do you know your phone number? Sure I do. There was a time you didn't know that phone number. You had to learn that phone number. How many here have trouble remembering numbers like phone numbers and things? Anyone? Am I the only one? Yeah. Okay, how many are too shy to put up their hand? Go for it. Put up your hand. Yeah, me too. I have trouble remembering numbers. License plates. I have trouble remembering that. You know, I have to try and make a game out of it. Well, anyhow, forgetting number four, number four, and this is one that I sometimes have trouble with, is the devil will get us sidetracked. Sidetracked on other things to get us to stop praying. But you know what? The prayer giants... The prayer giants, they just keep praying. They don't quit. They don't stop praying for anything, any reason whatsoever. And if they forget, they make notes. If they commit a sin, they confess it and they're right back to praying. The prayer giants just bulldoze along. They don't quit. That's what makes them prayer giants and prayer warriors is they just keep on keeping on. Listen, take your Bible, turn to the right, to the book of James. It's almost at the end very end of the New Testament, after Hebrews, James, and go to chapter 5, 
James chapter 5. Now, I want to put this into a little higher gear now. I want to step up here a little bit. But James chapter 5, a very familiar verse at the end, verse number 16. Would you please read this verse out loud with me? James 5, 16. Read it together with me now. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Underline those last words in your Bible. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, the fervency here reminds me of a boiling pot. A boiling pot. Some people that have trouble with sin, I'll tell you what, flies do not settle on a boiling pot or a boiling kettle. You'll have more success over the world, the flesh, and the devil through fervent prayer than just about anything else. Well, you will stay fervent. If you want to have effectual prayers, you need to be fervent. And you will stay fervent when you stay in the spiritual fight. Keep your spiritual armor on, Ephesians chapter 6. You will stay fervent as you keep your eye on the need, the thing for which you are praying for. If it's a real need, it's going to keep fervency in you. You will stay fervent as you seek every day to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was absolutely the greatest earthly prayer giant that ever lived. It was the Lord Jesus. And Jesus stayed fervent in prayer. Jesus stayed in the spiritual fight against the devil and resistance to the gospel. Jesus kept his eye on the needs that he was praying for. And Jesus sought to pray, sought to please his heavenly Father at all times. Jesus was effectually fervent in prayer because he prayed big, he prayed believing, and he prayed betimes. I want you to look at a poor woman with me. A poor woman whose fervency was a force to be reckoned with and it literally pushed over all resistance. Go back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18 this time. Luke 18. I know for some it's a tribulation to try and find the books of the Bible. But uh, you do get better at it the more you do it. Luke chapter 18. Look at this, verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The idea of faint means to be sluggish or exhausted. Underline those words, please. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Underline those words. Saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming, underline those two words, continual coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Those are the saved ones, the born again ones, his family, which cry day and night. You see that? It doesn't say once in a while. It's day and night. It's be times which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. 
I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. It takes faith to keep on praying, not to quit. To keep praying B times. This is an amazing story here. Jesus gave us this story to teach us to never, ever stop praying. Pray B times. The Apostle Paul was a prayer giant. He was a prayer warrior. And he wrote in 1 Timothy 2.8, he said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Now the idea of ceasing means unbroken. Stay in the attitude of prayer. Pastor, how can I stay in the attitude of prayer? Well, you carry a little prayer reminder with you. Like get yourself a stone or a coin or something and you put it in your pocket or carry it with you or scotch tape it to the back of your hand or something as a reminder. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. We ought to be more in an attitude of prayer. And this is a big key why we don't get our prayers answered. John Fletcher lived from 1729 to 1785. He was saved in 1754, got born again, became a Christian. Now, you and I may not be familiar with the name John Fletcher, but John Fletcher was a contemporary with John and Charles Wesley. And John Fletcher had incredible power with God in prayer. He went to the sleepy little English town of Madeley, and it was really a dead, dead as doornail spiritually, little donkey stop. Fletcher went there to minister, but it became so revolutionized by his prayers that it bloomed and blossomed like the Garden of Eden. Fletcher was a man of great power with God, and the secret of his power lay in his unceasing prayer. His whole life was one of prayer. So intently was his mind fixed on God that sometimes he would tell people, I would not rise from my seat without lifting my heart toward God. A friend tells about John Fletcher and relates the fact that whenever they would meet, John Fletcher would say to his friend, Do I meet you praying? Do I meet you praying? Meaning, friend, are you in an attitude of prayer like I am? Do I meet you praying? Interesting. It's said that the very walls of John Fletcher's room were stained by the breath of his prayers. All because a simple Christian dared to take God at his instruction to pray be times. Now think for a moment about those words of Fletcher. Do I meet you praying? These are words of a prayer giant. In Psalm chapter 10, it says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Now that's the wicked. And you understand that about wicked people. They don't retain God in their head or their heart. They don't like God. But interesting those last words. God is not in all his thoughts. And I read that and I have to ask myself, is God in all of my thoughts? How about you? Is God in all of your thoughts? That's a good question, isn't it? I think that God was in all of John Fletcher's thoughts. And that's why this man had such incredible prayer power. And maybe this is also why we don't. Did you know that God actually encourages you and I to come to him? Did you know that? 
Isaiah 45, 11, Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his, and his Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. Imagine God telling us, Command me. Command me. Come to me in prayer. In Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Jeremiah 32.27 Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Oh, we better not pray for this because, you know, it's too big. We better not pray for that because, I mean, no one could do that. There's God Almighty saying, Is there anything too hard for me? The answer is no, Lord. There's nothing. There's nothing too hard for thee. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's a good one. You and I can really become prayer giants. We really can. We can become prayer giants. But we must learn to pray big. Because God is big. Praying big is scary. But we must learn to pray big. We must learn to pray believing. Believing in His promises. And we must certainly need to pray B-times. Praying B-times is illustrated for us numerous times in the Old Testament. In Genesis 32, it's illustrated by Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night until he finally got the blessing. In Exodus 17, it's illustrated in the battle against Amalek. Amalek was him and the bad guys were trying to fight and conquer Israel. And Moses raised his arms during the battle. And all the time Moses' arms were raised, Israel was winning. But Moses' arms got tired and they started coming down. And then Amalek started winning the battle. And so two godly men, Aaron and Hur, H-U-R, came to either side of Moses and held up the arms of the man of God. Moses was a great man of prayer and kept his arms up until Israel had finally beaten Amalek. It's illustrated also for us in 2 Kings chapter 13 when the dying prophet Elisha said to the king of Israel to take arrows and smite the ground. And so the king took arrow, an arrow and smote the ground three times and stopped. And Elisha was upset with the king. And he says, you should have smote the ground five or six times. You would have gotten a full victory, but now you're only going to get a partial victory. And that's what happened. The king quit too early. And he only got a, a partial victory over the enemies. He didn't get a full victory. Folks, we can pray big. And we can pray believing. But if we cannot sustain it, what I mean is if we cannot keep on asking God for the things we're praying for throughout the day. What I mean is if we cannot pray betimes, then I'm afraid Jacob won't get his blessing. I'm afraid that Amalek will win the battle. I'm afraid the enemies of Israel will win the war. I'm afraid that you and I won't get what we're praying for either. That building on 104, that's a big thing to pray for. Five times a week, I go up, I drive around the building, I park, and I pray to God. Five times a week. And then, through the week, I'm praying 100, 200 times. Throughout the week, 
I'm praying. But you know, I want that building so that we can bring forth much fruit for God. That's the only reason I want that building, is so that we can do more for God than ever, ever before. Is God not worthy of of the most? I think so. With that building, we can bring forth more fruit than we ever thought possible. That's why I want that building. And that's why I'm praying for it. And I just want to suggest that you put it on your prayer list. You know what? I'm not, I'm not big enough. I'm not enough to be able to win the battle on that building. The building doesn't involve just me. It involves you. It involves us as a church. I need God to raise up more prayer warriors from within our church. Men and women who daily will pray for that building. And maybe they'll pray, God, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know when, but I know you know. And God, you've promised that what things soever I desire, if I pray, believing that I'm receiving, I will, re- I will get it. And Lord, I'm just going to take you at your word and, and pull out your check, your blank check, and write in there the 104 building. And every day start pray, believing, pray, believing. I think that's what's going to do it for us. Matthew 9, 28, Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? The very next verse, Then according to your faith, be it unto you. you got to love it. Okay, we need to finish up here. We're going to have a word of prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.